0: Hello and welcome to comic book fix the new comic show from your friends on the fix podcast network i'm sam and i'll be your host today on today's show we'll be discussing wandavision episode 5 and uh, donny cates and ryan stegman's venom run uh, mostly focusing on issue one today on this fine episode i'm joined by pat hello and
1: jeff hello everyone
0: so we're doing a, a an impromptu three episode three host episode today because we are all desperate to talk about WandaVision on a podcast uh and Venom is awesome so (laughs) we only really had one book to talk about so we kind of had a bit of extra time so I think the best thing to do now would be to talk about WandaVision in like 20 30 minutes no let's go straight into WandaVision um it's the required reading for the week so if you listen to the end of last week's podcast you'd have known that we're going to be talking about this one um WandaVision Episode 5, which was, I think it's called Please Stand By? Is that right?
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, on a very special episode, I think. Oh, a very special episode. Uh,
2: I, um, I, I'm i sure that we do this, like, I mean, it's implied, but also, you should watch this episode before you listen to this episode. <laughs> because, yes, st- stuff happens. Yeah, um, we actually haven't said that before. We've not said
0: any spoiler warnings about WandaVision and, like, in every episode, we've massively spoiled
2: the episode of the day. Um, yeah, but there hasn't really been a lot of... There's been stuff that happens, but it's also kind of like, you know what's going on. This is the first episode to me that's had a like, oh, crap moment. <laughs> that, mm. That's really been surprising. There is a spoilable moment in this week's episode, yes, you yes. could say. Yes, absolutely. Um,
0: so... Pat and Jeff, uh, Jeff, we, 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 we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. But, Pat, it's been a while since we've had you on the pod to talk about WandaVision. So um, what are your thoughts kind of on the show overall? Um, do, you,
2: do you have any theories? Yeah. So I was starting to fall off a bit after episode three. Not that I was going to stop watching, but my interest level was waning because it was kind of like... It felt like they so heavily I offered a kind of silly prediction in the first episode because I wanted it to be more interesting than it appeared it was going to be and then at the end of episode three I was like oh she just is mind controlling everyone in the town to be like her perfect life for her and vision um, and I was starting to lose a little bit of interest because I wasn't really vibing with the like we're going to do a different take on sitcoms every episode I there are aspects of that I liked. Like I like getting the intro sequence. This week's intro sequence was incredible. <laughs> um, <laughs> that kind of like, what's it? Uh, what's it based on? I, I didn't recognize it.
1: Uh, family ties and Full House.
2: I liked those parts, uh, and I liked the the some of the humor, but generally it was not. There was two. It felt like the episodes were structured such that. You would do; they would do the sitcom episode, and then the last five to ten minutes of the show were like when the actual plot happened, and that was starting to grate on me a little bit over the first three episodes. And then episode four happened, which totally changes the format; was really cool, and you start to see more of the outside world. You're getting more of those cameos from all these different characters that are sort of like, um, you know, non-main characters from movies. That was great. Uh, And then this week's episode was. I loved like how they incorporated more of the weird stuff happening into the actual like moments of the sitcom episode. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on board at this point. There was, I was starting to dip off a little bit at episode three, but the last couple have been great. For me, this one being the mix of the two
0: kind of viewpoints, so like the wonder viewpoint and the um, S.W.O.R.D. viewpoint, has made this um has made this one extremely interesting I think like the my favorite episode so far yeah although i
2: loved last week's episode with Jimmy Wu because yeah. he's the best Randall park's great the the card trick thing was definitely when you explained that to me I was like oh my god yeah it's one mess's all good such a good little callback.
0: Uh, If you watch uh, Ant Man and the Wasp again, like I I watched, I I remembered that joke because I loved it,
2: like as as you do every night before you go to bed. (laughs) Um, So
1: Ant Man,
0: I have a I have a um bug to pick with Ant Man and the Wasp because they released it three months later in the UK than the rest of the world because of the World Cup, and they were like no one's going to go to the cinema if England are playing. (laughs) Um, But there are like six other days a week when England weren't playing Marvel. Um. Anyway. So, um, if you watch Ant Man and the Wasp again, you can see that like there's like two running jokes throughout the whole movie, and one of them is the close-up magic joke, and then the other one is that there's a giant ant hanging around. <laughs> um, the uh, the close-up magic joke has a lot of very funny like callbacks to it in a very like that movie is very much pitched like a comedy rather than a an, like a superhero movie. So they do like they do bring those callbacks to earlier jokes and stuff. And seeing seeing it come back is very funny. Yeah,
2: I will make this podcast about Ammon and the Wasp, but I actually don't super love that movie overall because I don't like any I love all of that stuff and I don't care at all about the plot of the superhero stuff that's happening. <laughs> like even a little bit.
1: It's it's hard. Uh, I mean, uh, again, this isn't an Ant Man and the Wasp thing, but like, I at least want to recognize that writing about the Pym story is super hard to adapt. Yeah. uh, Given every detail about Hank that there is, uh, and how they've had to massage that. Uh, for the MCU, it's 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 hard. Like I I will I will give them some some there. Yeah.
2: While it's n- not at all the 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 a problem of the ca- I actually think the casting in Ant Man and the Wasp is very good, and I think the performances all around are very good. So this is in no way a reflection on on um, the acting in that movie. But I think Ant Man shines best when uh, uh, the cast around Paul Rudd supports Paul Rudd playing. Hank Pym as Paul Rudd. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. and really that's why I think he in some ways works better as a cameo character to show up in other MCU movies because then he can come in and be Paul Rudd for 5 to 10 minutes and then they can move on, <laughs> you know. He's um, he's very good in Endgame and
0: yes. uh, Civil War. Absolutely. Uh, he's yeah. In some very serious, very dark movies, he's very much one of the comic highlights. Yeah. Hopefully he shows up in WandaVision at some point. He won't show up in WandaVision at some point. (laughs) Hey, you never know. I feel like anyone could be. Um, When Elizabeth Olsen teased that cameo, I was like, maybe Cap comes to talk some sense into her and Chris Evans, like
2: old man Chris Evans, turns up for a couple of minutes. I I think so we've danced around it the person that shows up at the end is Pietro yeah I think it's a little bit of an exaggeration to compare Pietro to Luke Skywalker I think that's just a tiny <laughs> that's a little that to, it's more like if that would be like if Tony showed up to me <laughs> that's absolutely yeah like if Tony or Cap kind of unfortunately Tony Stark is the Luke
0: Skywalker of, of the MCU <laughs> absolutely yeah like tony and cap are the two main characters of the mcu and like it's why they retired them in endgame you know so that they could move on and create new main characters right um however i th- i do think that how- ev- we- we've danced around it a little and we haven't said it but evan peters fox's quicksilver from the fox x-men movies is playing pietro in this cameo
2: uh, and that... It's awesome. It's really awesome. That's what that's what sells it, right? Like, if it had just been... I expected Pietro to show up at some point in some Absolutely. way. Absolutely. I um, thought it was going to be Aaron Taylor-Johnson. But the fact that it's Evan Peters is definitely interesting, and almost to me implies that it's more than just a, a, a cameo for an episode or two. Right. Yeah, I think so.
1: One of the things that I found enchanting about it um, is that we kind of get the clue with the title, right? Because on a very special episode, yeah. when that whenever that would happen, um uh, in like American uh, television sitcoms, that was usually a signal that the usual boundaries of story and the nice little contained well-made play format was about to be broken, and something unusual to the characters that would otherwise be completely out of character is is going to happen. And I think that one of the interesting parts about, Kevin Peters being uh, the Quicksilver that they they chose is that I, I kept seeing this on Twitter uh, endless Jeff Goldblum memes of uh, you know uh, going you did it uh, is that we're we're seeing a possibility of bridging the gap between the Fox Marvel universe and the Marvel Cinematic Universe by Kevin Feige and Disney and I'm we we kind of saw that a little bit with Spider Man but now we're starting to really acknowledge the fact that oh wait there's this whole other multiverse here and now i understand why people kept on talking about wandavision setting up dr strange yeah. uh dr strange 2 excuse me and because i mean I'll, I'll be honest i i was a little surprised by evan peters beyond the fact that you know it's evan peters quicksilver uh, i actually expected dr strange mm. like that was that was the move i was going to make there and go oh
2: that would have made sense yeah
0: i still i wouldn't put i would not put it past them to have a benedict come uh I was about to say cam, Cumberbatch cumber cameo.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think he's probably the character that makes the most sense, right, to show up and because I mean he's also doing magic, so um, yeah, absolute magic in the the right this particular sense. So I I kind of would not be surprised. It'd be cool too. I'm yeah. really excited for that Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, I mean it's called the Multiverse of Madness. So it's also going to be a horror movie, from what I've what what they've
1: everything they've talked about. I am so excited.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I I feel like Evan Peters is definitely the first, like, Wanda is so powerful that she is pulling another Pietro to replace the one that died. Like, I don't know whether that's the story they're going to go down.
2: So on that note, one of my my prediction now that is, um, I think, a little more realistic than my wild uh, sword space station prediction, which was a little tongue-in-cheek um i think what's happening is that wanda took vision's body and she all of vision's personality and intelligence are still in there in his like synthetic brain or whatever but he doesn't have the spark anymore he doesn't have the like life force that the the gem gave him so she's using all of the life force she's draining it from the people in this town to keep him alive that's why they're in pain and that is why there's no children anywhere that's why they're in pain and why there's no children anywhere because the children probably – she either sent them away or – because she's not a total monster or she is a total monster and the children couldn't withstand it. So they they just disappeared immediately. Um, so that's my real thought process as to why he's there. So I think that there's every possibility that she like subconsciously invented this, this Pietro and maybe that's because she pulled him from another uh, universe or – whatever um but I, I think i think there's a i think the other universe to set up the merging of those two universes like you're you're suggesting jeff would be the interesting thing i worry a little bit that the reason that it's a different person is because she's it's just somebody that she subconsciously made look like him and it's just some of the one some random person in the town right right and that he's not really pietro at all I'm hoping it's the more interesting answer, though.
1: Yeah, like that's the bleakest version of the AllSpark I've ever heard. Um, (laughs) Like,
2: I feel like they're not going to. I
0: don't know. You don't get Evan Peters unless you're going to do Evan Peters
2: as Quicksilver. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Yeah. Is it just me
0: or did he have like a really strong New York accent? Yes. Was he putting on? Yeah.
2: Yes. Very much. (laughs) I just in that clip, I looked it up before we started recording to make sure that to double check that she says his name and um and he's like can i have a squeeze from long lost brother have a squeeze from his baby sister <laughs> it's like it's very like funny
0: the baby sister a they're twins right um, yeah <laughs> and uh yeah but yeah like uh, i don't know where he's from in the x-men i'm probably gonna have to re-watch uh days of future past is it that he first turns up Yeah, in.
1: It, it's Days of Future Past. I'm actually going to look that up right now.
2: That one doesn't suck all the way. You can sit through that one. No, I I think it's good. I like that one. It's fine.
0: It's better than next three. <laughs> I love the bit where um Evan Peters sees Magneto do all the magnetic stuff, and he's like, oh, my mom used to date
2: somebody who could do stuff like that. And then, like, it's never brought up again. I love that. What I like about Days of Future Past is... um it's bullshit and it's just a bunch of excuses for them to make all of them fight each other and that's why it's okay unlike apocalypse age of apocalypse which is very bad because they tried to have a story (laughs) and uh it didn't work they did cast the perfect
0: actress as uh jubilee though lana condor she was excellent sure are
2: you telling me you don't love olivia munn's psylocke (laughs) i i wiped that from my memory (laughs) thank you (laughs) I don't I, have anything against her, but it's, such,
1: it's so
0: bad. I've only seen that film once, and it was in the cinema, and I have literally He's never same. watched it again. Uh, Fiona so fell asleep awful. while we were watching it, and she
2: loves x I almost did, too. It's uh, So do I, and that movie is really... That's why I would never... I told myself I would never again do another Fox X-Men movie, and I haven't since. Uh, I saw Dark Phoenix in the cinema, too, and there's, like, two good scenes in that. I'm so sorry. Brave
1: soul.
0: Anyway. So... Let's swing by Jeff because I feel like we've had mine and Pat's thoughts and I, I've been giving mine every week. My my theory idea really has not changed, but I do feel like there is, it feels more and more like there's something going on with Agnes.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And there's obviously there's theories out there, uh, but I will... I, I, won't spoil anything for people who are not looking at theories. Yeah. But Jeff, what are, you, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts on the last couple?
1: I mean, I'm still... I'm still think the primary thing that's going on is coercive grief therapy with Wanda time. Like, that's still the case. Um, but we're starting to get more layers to it. I think there's quite a bit of interest, especially with uh, this last episode, because Agatha breaks uh, as we put it in the pro wrestling biz kayfabe yeah mm-hmm. she she breaks kayfabe she goes oh do you want me to take that again and that was a wonderful like i remember cringing mm-hmm. at, at that at that moment like i i was invested and i'm like going okay agnes what are you doing or who who she really is, which I won't talk about. Um, but yeah, Agnes is a really key character here, um, and I I am one hundred percent thinking that where Wanda's going to go with this, wherever however this is uh, resolved, whether it's you know Wanda comes to grips with her grief or Wanda um, you know keeps this unreality and then comes to grips with her grief, and parts of the unreality remain. Uh, however, that is going to shake out is going to be really dependent on Agnes's character. Like that character is going to be the the stone in the river that's going to direct where the river's going to go. Um, as far as as far as the other elements that I noticed here, um, I want to personally say I love that we have finally, after however many movies, uh, Darcy has now called. Wanda's powers, what they ought to be called. Uh, like they are they're hexes. And I thought that, you know, those sort of I wink towards the audience because they're their hexagon shape. I'm like, okay, that's that's cute. Uh, <laughs> um, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, we're starting to actually bring in more Wanda. And it, it's those little it's those little details that really like sing to me uh, about WandaVision. That's why I've been very appreciative of it because from i've said it on previous pods and i'll say it again the dramaturgical work that goes into making these episodes perfect replicas of you know x sitcom y sitcom z sitcom is is immense like i have done this uh many 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 times and like on on a on a theater set and it's a huge amount of work to have to keep doing that um so when it comes to uh that I think the other thing that jumped out at me was um well vision like everyone is talking about Evan Peters and we are right to do so because uh this is the great bridge right this is the this is the thing that's finally going to cross if it if it's truly uh if it's truly Peter Maximoff and not Pietro the proper Pietro uh, so vision in this Episode again, Paul. I'm a huge fan of Paul Bettany's work. He did such a good job of capturing the betrayal, the sort of slow dawning realization of going, No, something really isn't right, and I'm part of it. I'm not where I'm supposed to be what and that confrontation between Vision and Wanda at the at the near the end of the episode I'm I'm just I was flabbergasted it was it was wonderful if only because we finally get to really push back at the sort of unreality utopia and we start to get that vision of Wanda that I've been kind of waiting for she's always been the most unpredictable avenger in what she's going to do and she's not, I mean, she's not a monster, but she's not always good. Yeah. Like she doesn't always make the right moves. And that's a big part of her character. And I think it's it's good that they're keeping that.
2: When when Vision says I'm scared, that um like made me stop and like take a breath. Like that the delivery on that line was so good. Mm-hmm. Um and in a way that is so in contrast to the way that drama to me anyway feels portrayed often in the MCU so often there's a such a somber tone to to really like painful dramatic moments there's the you know tony falling to his knees and stuff and it's it's always it's not a bad thing but it usually skews away from theatrical in the sort of um in the sort of theater sense, like it's, it's much more of a, it's not exaggerated. It's very, they try to portray those kinds of feelings with realistic tone. Um, and I loved the way that visions kind of realization in this episode felt much more like, uh, theater, I guess it felt much more exaggerated and much more, um, sort of performed, but it made sense with the tone of the show and like where everything was at. right? Right absolutely i think the other really important thing is wanda reverting to her sokovian
0: accent outside of westview Mm -hmm. so when she confronts the sword guys she's speaking in her original sokovian accent like from age of ultron Mm -hmm. right there i think maybe there is a part of me that is thinking that there is a suppressed personality or suppressed alter ego for Wanda, and also she's in costume when she leaves the the Westview. Mm-hmm. So, there's I feel like that they're trying to make a split between Wanda and the Scarlet Witch. Yeah, interesting. Sure. Uh, it's specifically they reference like she doesn't have a code name. Yeah, um, there's a lot of hints I think there that they're trying to establish that she'll be like, I'm
2: th- this is inside westview is wonder outside westview i'm the scarlet witch i think one another thing that they do very well this episode that they don't haven't always done well it's kind of rare that they do it at all in the MCU but there's this um this thing with these kinds of stories the hulk is the one that really comes to mind the most it's very hard to get me to be against the hulk even when he's experiencing you know um his anger issues and not in control or whatever it's very hard for me to bet against him i'm still like nah you should smash that tank (laughs) because they're trying to they're trying to level imperialistic war machines against you to get you to stand down screw them yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, like i'm on the hulk side all the time and in this episode early on when um i'm terrible with the character names for the sword uh people but the the guy the head guy um He's Huntley or something, I think his name is. Yeah, when, when he's explaining that she's uh, that this is a terrorist attack, which is still a misnomer, perhaps, mm-hmm. as Rambo points out. But um, y- you kind of enter that conversation with like, oh, no, she's a good guy at heart. She's just something's going on. But I think over the course of the episode, they really sell her as more of the villain of the show in a way where I still want her to come out of it okay and be better. Right. And I'm not like against her. But I don't have the feeling now. I, I care about like vision. Yes. Mm. And I care about like Darcy and the people that she's potentially could hurt. And I want to make like, I feel like they've sold her really well in a way that doesn't make her come off as just an unbridled monster that you hate now, but also not the character that I'm still actually siding with, even though they're technically like, she's technically causing the problem you know yeah uh, which i think is really effective i don't think that they've done that particularly well in a lot of other um superhero movies in general even outside of just the mcu agreed agreed like in civil war you're never like one of these people is the bad guy no no and you're not supposed to be either you're
0: like both these guys are right you know yeah i think they've done really well in giving you that different side of wonder they're like Malicious, almost side, or well, like not malicious, but like, oh, angry.
1: I get vengeful vibes.
0: Yeah, vengeful and angry, and we have seen that before. Like we've seen that in Age of Ultron. We've seen that in Endgame, where she tries to take on Thanos.
2: They usually refocus it towards the the bad guys, right? Like, yeah, that's what ends up happening. Whereas here, there's not really any bad guys to refocus it to, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm very obviously. They have to turn this character around so
0: that she can be in, she can be a hero in stuff. Well, um, unless Wanda is the new big bad for the MCU, which absolutely could be a thing.
2: Or, I mean, I don't, I don't want this to happen. But with the way, I mean, I could see them too. This this ending with her ending up in kind of a Loki like role, where it's like she's not always a good guy, not always the bad guy, but that she's hmm. not, she's kind of uh, a Coin flip, you know, I think that that could be the way that it ends up. Also I, I guess that's the thing is I don't know where it's gonna leave these characters when the show's done and that's exciting to me Yeah,
1: yeah, like can I share one quick fan yeah, theory? Yeah. I, was, I was talking to a very old friend uh, And he came up with a terrifying prospect. I don't think this is actually gonna be the case, but uh, He came up with the prospect of like well, wait a minute. What if Agnes? Uh, needs Wanda for like her newfound uh, Necromantic abilities um, but what do we know that that does necromancy, the Phoenix force? And I'm like, wait, dark Phoenix Wanda is probably the scariest thing I can think of right now. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs>
1: like I cannot with that. <laughs>
2: Definitely. To that point though, I think that everything I was just saying about selling her well as like the, the villain that you're not going to hate forever. I don't think they ever did that particularly well with dark Phoenixes in movies no i guess i haven't seen the new one i assume they don't do it well in the new one no um this is a story team that i think could do that um yeah. and it would be certainly interesting if if wanda was the vector for that and i think it would introduce i, I agree i don't necessarily think this is what's going to happen but i think it would be interesting to um introduce the phoenix force In a way that doesn't center Jean Grey, because I think a lot of mainstream cinema viewers that just watch superhero movies and and maybe don't read comics don't really understand the separation between the Phoenix Force and Jean Grey and that it's not just like a function of her powers. Right. And so I think it would be cool to introduce that. And I will say it seems like I haven't been reading every comic that comes out, but it seems like every time I go back in the archives from like five to 15 years ago. The Phoenix Force is almost always a key element of whatever story they're telling (laughs) maybe not the central one But it's always at least around the edges and so it's very interesting to me that they keep bringing it It seems like it's been a pretty commonly used um, Concept in the comics over the last couple decades. So it's a very good stakes razor. Yeah. Yeah No no complaints about that like um,
0: you can be having yeah You can be having a conflict and they can be like well how do we up the stakes and like You've read Avengers versus X Men, like that's a very good. You know, the, the conflict shouldn't really exist there, and there definitely shouldn't be a space for Cyclops to murder Charles Xavier. But when you want to do some stuff, throw some Phoenix in, yeah, shake it up, yeah, yeah. I don't, my, I don't think that they would use Phoenix in a Disney Plus show. No, based on. Uh, based on the power of the character, like, in terms of, like, popularity.
2: Right. You could te- I could
0: see them teasing it, though. Absolutely. Like, I've, you know, if you're looking for big bads to have for the next phase of the MCU, the Phoenix is not a bad one. Yeah. And now we know they're doing Secret Invasion as a Disney Plus show and not as the next series. My- Which
2: I'm so happy about. Not that I don't like that story but my theory was
0: that um pepper was replaced by a scroll between civil war and home and um, homecoming huh so that's my that was always because she dumps tony and then in homecoming they're inexplicably back together oh. and she doesn't seem to be mad about it so my theory was always that she was a scroll and that she was going to become the scroll queen from secret invasion right um We've been talking
2: a uh, real long time about WandaVision. I mean, we had extra time this week, and it is a fantastic show. The last thing I just I want to say to piggyback off of the next big bag bad is I just want Annihilus. <laughs> Give me Annihilus. Yes. The Annihilation Wave would be a very good bad bag. They have to do it at least, if not the next phase, I have to do it after that because they're going to start getting bad eventually. And I want them to do it before the did all the wheels fall off. Annihilus is a Fantastic Four
0: villain, so uh, they've said yeah. they're making Fantastic Four. Yeah, and I don't think I don't know. I I would probably, if I was them, I would do Galactus or Doctor Doom for the first
2: Fantastic Four oh, I movie. Do, I do Doom. You gotta do Doom. Yeah, I gotta, you gotta do, Doom. do Doom. Come on. But but the Doom doesn't need to be the phase villain. Doom is the is like Loki. I mean, Doom's bigger than Loki, but Doom is like Loki for the Fantastic Four in the MCU at first, anyway. And he's like around, and he's their first villain in their movie. And then, yeah, you probably have to do Galactus, I guess. I just wish Niles is so much more interesting to me at this point to do a movie about. Not because he's more interesting than Galactus as a concept necessarily, but because we've seen Galactus in movies and Fortnite and <laughs> all over. So give me an So, do we have any final
0: closing thoughts, Jeff? Do you have, have you got any um, you have any wishes for Wonder Vision?
1: Oh, uh, my wish for WandaVision uh, completely left field, but it's not so it's not going to happen, is that uh, somewhere towards the end, we finally get uh, the Darkhold Redeemer story that I've been waiting for this entire time. And then Dan catch Ghost Rider what rides in and Wanda gets on the motorcycle and they go off into the sunset. Um (laughs) Uh, Are you sure it's not Johnny Blaze and it is Nicolas Cage? I oh okay so I'm hmm, that's a whole other thing and we don't have time for me to go into why even though I love Nicolas Cage i don't love those movies so uh, and this is like co- ghost shocker yeah ghost rider <laughs> is my property like more than any other marvel character ghost rider is my property and i, I have strong feelings anyway you're so you're telling
2: me as a big ghost rider fan you didn't like the Nicolas cage ghost rider films but they do everything just so correctly come on
1: pat pat i'm crying nicholas cage has a <laughs> ghost
2: rider tattoo that they had to cover up <laughs> when he was in those movies. I like scenes from those movies. Um, those movies are terrible. Yes. I uh
0: I have a sketch of Ghost Rider by the creator of Ghost Rider that I got at a convention. It's very cool.
1: Sam, I am so envious.
0: <laughs> Let's uh yeah, I think I I think we've all kind of given our thoughts and our future wishes for Wanda. I hope everyone's okay. I would love more cameos. I have to say, I feel like Elizabeth Olsen said that the cameo might was uh, that the cameo was coming at the end. So maybe
2: there's more to come. Oh, yeah. That's not that. I think that's probably somebody else then. Yeah. What if it's Hugh Jackman? <laughs> Moving don't, on. Don't do that to me. That's a complicated, complicated suggestion. Um,
0: so let's completely switch gears from MCU fox movie uh shenanigans um and let's also carl urban should play wolverine in the mcu he's too old he's too tall okay wolverine has to be a a man in his late 30s who is very short
2: sam there's a scene in the in the in, uh, end Endgame where thousands of portals open up and like tens of that they can fix it in post <laughs>
1: Isn't Hugh Jackman six three?
2: He's like six foot four or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. Okay.
1: So
0: in the comics, there's a very funny story about Wolverine, where um basically the writer who invented Wolverine was like, Oh yeah, let's um Len Wine, I think it was. And he basically goes, Okay, I've got this character, he's gonna be called Wolverine. Um, artist, do your thing. Um, and the artist who created him had never seen a Wolverine. And it was the 70s so you couldn't just look it up so he just blagged it (laughs) uh and that's why we have a wolverine that looks the way that he does um and then even funnier in giant size x-men number one um the writer didn't communicate to the artist that all the characters were meant to be young and so all of them are young Except for Wolverine, who looks like a like late forties, fifty year old man, just ch- chomping on a cigar, <laughs> and uh, he saw the issue when it came out, and he was like, "Okay, I guess I've got to change the way I've written the next few." <laughs> yeah, that what that story I knew. <laughs> so, um, moving on from weird art choices to fantastic art choices, let's talk about um, this week's pull list comic, which is um, Venom number one that Pat's just read. Yeah. You've actually. You said you read one, two, and three. Yes. Um, I've been reading Venom since uh, the Absolute Carnage event. I start. I when Absolute Carnage started, I went back and read Venom one through. Absolute Carnage. Um, I, I, I want to preface this real quickly. I hate Venom. I think he's a terrible character. Uh, I never want to see him on screen in a Spider-Man movie. Um. Although I do think that the Tom Hardy Venom movie is funny. I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. The what? The what
2: movie? The Tom Hardy what movie? The Tom Hardy Venom movie. I thought it was like, I thought it was had a different. Oh, sorry.
1: I've I've pronounced
2: it. I've pronounced it wrong. Venom. There you go. Thank
1: you. (laughs) Yeah as a question is this the the this is not venom number one from 1993 this is venom number one from 2012 or 13
2: no 2019 actually
1: right no it's 2019
2: okay 2019
0: 2018? 2018, I think. It's recent. Yeah, it's super recent. We're talking about the... They're
2: on issue 33 now. Yeah. We're talking about the Venom run Cates. by
0: uh, Donny Cates and uh, Ryan Stegman. Uh, so Donny Cates has written a few things for Marvel. He's on Thor at the moment, which is very, very cool. Yeah, I got to read that too. It shows the Stegman... Stegman, sorry, um, Cates can write at multiple speeds. So he's writing... Venom as a very, like, this is a superhero story, but Thor is a very, like, grand-scale cosmic thing, um, which is very cool. Uh, and he's written Silver Surfer previously as well. He wrote a, a, a book called Silver Surfer Black, which is
2: actually where they first oh. uh, debuted Null, the god of symbiotes. Really? Okay. Well, I got to go back and read that too. then. then. Um, I thought that Null debuted in Venom. No, I went back and read it a few months ago it's real good
0: cool uh, i didn't like the art originally which is why i didn't read it um but the story is absolutely fantastic um so yeah i like big fanboy for donny cates here i've since reading his early venom issues i will now read anything that he writes they're good um and ryan segman on art. i cannot believe that this guy oh. is putting this book out monthly i can't i just yeah <laughs> it's 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 gorgeous it's like the dream of the nineties artists. Yes. Like all those guys like Joe Mad and
2: um You were saying there's a bit of a McFarlane thing. Going on there too,
0: yeah. But not shh, not not bad. <laughs> no. It's oh it's fantastic. Um,
2: uh I think the I, I would say that like with my I I, I liked Venom. I like Venom because I <laughs> like uh the spider-man animated show Mm. i that was like i loved the batman show as well i i I watched um the every episode of the the animated the batman animated series and i think that it is a better show than spider-man but when i was a kid spider-man that animated series was my favorite show outside of like gargoyles maybe um and so uh that is where I was introduced to Venom and Carnage, and I loved them in that show. Same, yeah. And so I never got the kind of Lordy. I didn't get that angle of Venom until much later on, um, and that sucks. <laughs> so I definitely think in the comics that I've read from the 90s and 2000s, I, I'm i glad that's not why I was in, how I was introduced to the character because they're not g- great. Uh, but this book is um, very cool the the story is is super neat
1: what's the premise
0: so like we come in yeah i was actually about to to run through that so glad you asked yeah we come in on eddie and he's a lot so eddie uh had died at one point eddie died of cancer Mm -hmm. um and the flash thompson became venom for Mm -hmm. like quite a long time like 10 years maybe like a genuinely large chunk of time i
2: gotta read some of that because that seems very silly but uh they reference it sometimes so basically they do yes uh, flash
0: was uh, the, the government had the venom symbiote because for a while the scorpion was also venom and he worked for the government <laughs> uh during the dark avengers stuff and um so they had the symbiote and they have been like basically giving it to soldiers and sending them in on black ops missions and they did that with uh flash but flash is uh an amputee he's lost both of his legs in uh foreign action because he was a soldier and they were and basically the venom symbiote grew his legs back uh out of symbiote and let him There's a lot to unpack there <laughs> yeah so like the venom symbiote like grew his legs back basically and then he went into missions and the whole thing was that he couldn't stay bonded to the symbiote they would take it off him after 11 hours so it wouldn't permanently attach Mm -hmm. um but on his first one of his first missions he's forced to stay away for a longer period of time and it like gets in him and he like eats somebody and that's like kind of the concept of the the start of that series and that's very good but yeah so flash is dead (laughs) And Eddie has the symbiote back, and Eddie's kind of like, he kind of has no will to live. He's like he's just kind of existing.
2: Yeah, he he has a will to live because he's still working. He's still pushing. Like he's still trying to survive. But he's not. He's living in like a pretty junky place and not really being Venom. I don't know if I if you got this feeling, but I felt like in the original.
0: Uh, the original few issues it felt like eddie was alive because he couldn't bring
2: himself to kill himself sure yeah i think that's a a way to to look at it yeah um it's not really a hardline like mental health angle look though i don't want to give that impression mm. it's not like he's grappling with depression or anything they're not like trying to explore themes of that it's just he's kind of it's a it's a blank slate setup he's not doing anything his life is like pretty much like nothing yeah. nothing at that point yeah he has cool shoulder length hair and a, a giant beard. Oh, he looks great. Yeah.
0: That's He
2: he looks so nineties. <laughs> style goals. Uh but but anyway, yeah, he's so the Venom symbiote, it opens on him having nightmares through the Venom symbiote of like Vikings and this like ancient power coming out of a tomb. <laughs> and it's it's like a dream, the nightmare that the symbiote is having, and he wakes up in the morning and the symbiote's like curled in the corner, afraid because it had this dream and he's like taking antipsychotics to get the symbiote to be quiet and not talk to him and the symbiote is then having the symbiote itself is basically having a kind of breakdown where it can't control its like it's it's uh anger and it's sort of um when brock's trying to keep it down because if the symbiote takes over instead of working with him it's like pushing him down and then just like trying to kill people uh and it doesn't really know why and so that's kind of the state that they're in as a team uh and then through a series of events uh brock is captured by what is his name uh the character the the, the military guy, or ex-military guy. Oh, Rex. Guy. Rex uh, yeah. something? Re- yeah, he's something? Yeah, he's one of the people that the government had been using the symbiote on, basically, uh, or a symbiote on. Uh, and he has him go on a job to um, save some of his comrades who they used the symbiote on, but who could no longer be like unbonded from it, so they put them on ice. And this first issue is... Um, Eddie stopping the convoy to get these soldiers out so that they don't die at this new black site facility that that they're gonna take them to to dispose of them in. Um, but in so doing, the symbiotes actually wake up in the back to tanks and come off ice and then kill almost kill Eddie basically kill Eddie Brock, uh, and then they themselves get sucked up and eaten by a symbiote dragon. <laughs> who flies away into the night and then the venom symbiote saves brock and stuff he doesn't really die
1: but yeah like i'm reading on the marvel wiki during the death of his physical body eddie's consciousness endured and was trapped within the abyss of the symbiote hive mind where he was reunited with the tyrannosaurus symbiote and i want to acknowledge how bonkers that sentence is
2: yeah i don't think that's that wasn't what happened in this one i'm sure that's coming soon (laughs) i think
0: that's pre- uh, Donny Kate's Venom could be, but I believe that he's absolutely on board with it. Yeah, uh, from how batshit he's writing this character. So that's
2: what's cool about. That's why I like this. I never picked this this book up, um, and I didn't get interested in it until the reason I'm reading it is because uh, I want to read the King and Black stuff and get caught up. I've been it's getting so good. I've been getting the limited King and Black series, but I haven't really been reading it because I haven't been keeping up with Venom. So I wanted to go back and read all the Venom leading up to it so I can get caught up with the limited series. And I was surprised. Null shows up pretty early, like in issue three. Um, Yep. And uh, it's uh, it's cool. I dig the whole like, let's take this. I mean, I'm not saying that the symbiotes haven't been important at different times. Absolute carnage or before the series. uh, I mean, um, Carnage has been like a major villain for Spider-Man and stuff. But it sort of does a thing that I really enjoy in comics where it's taking a character who has kind of a small box to play in and saying, what if actually there was this really wild, totally out there backstory that just blows the doors off of your understanding of this character? And I love it when they do that. And that's what this book does for sure.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. A King in Black especially is insane. Um I sent you I think I sent you guys a couple of panels from it of just like yep. very cool shit happening. Like Donny <laughs> Gates is very good at like making the cool shit happen, uh, but still keeping the story. Um the the event itself has been so good. Um and like I'm not gonna spoil this for you, Pat, but one of our favourite Hickman characters is in the Venom ongoing uh as like a recurring
2: it sucks because it's not antagonist i feel like i have to read all of the ultimate stuff that hickman wrote so that i can get the full backstory on the character you're referring to because i'm sure i know who it is you don't if that helps oh well then never mind i thought you were talking about the master uh cool well then never mind forget i said anything
0: one of the favorite recent marvel characters probably my actually probably my favorite recent marvel character um, I'm very excited for you for you to read more of this book, The Island um, of Krakoa. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute Carnage as an event was also very very good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting um, to it. It was just going to be, it was just going to be like a story
2: arc in Venom, and Marvel was like, no, this is too good. We have to make it our event for the summer. Um, the last thing I'll say before we, since we're going a little long, but um, it's not an issue one. But w- Venom and, and Miles meet up uh, at one point in issue two of this book and it's very funny because miles immediately wants to fight venom and eddie's like i don't know who you are and i don't know why you're doing this and miles is like you hurt my mom and eddie's like i promise you i didn't i'm serious here uh i did not hurt your mom and he's like look we have a giant venom dragon destroying new york we're gonna need to work together on this and then i'll fight you later if that's what you want and it was a very good like This is a character that I know as a Spider-Man villain. I mean, I know he's always on and off, but it was great to see him kind of like explaining things to Miles about his character and like who he is. And then he definitely throws, first of all, then also Miles has to tell him that his power is called Venom Blasting (laughs) and that he has a Venom Blast, which Eddie's like, that's a pretty good name. Uh, And then. My, and then Eddie throws Miles into the mouth of this dragon so that he can blow it up from the inside with a Venom blast. And Miles is not on board with it. So he's just very much like Venom just like cuts his, or grabs his web from him. So he falls into his mouth and Miles is like, I don't like this. <laughs> it's, it's It's very good. I recommend reading at least the first few issues just to get the the fight there because it's very funny.
0: Yeah, I th- I feel like they don't they go straight in like there's no messing around and like
2: build up. The first issues, yeah, the first issue is a little bit that way at times, um, but then it goes moves pretty quick after that. Yeah, so yeah, Jeff, I'd so love. Right now, Null seems like bad business. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's not cool. You you may have, you may have thought this, but Null, like a pr- god of the symbiote, like a problem creator. <laughs> also i think null created necrosword the all black which is the evil uh the evil sword that the black knight wields so that that that's interesting did not know that i'm 99 sure certain
2: that it's called necrosword the all black i thought when you said that the first thing that came to mind was the film
1: i just thought of ari salvatore i'll I'll be honest
2: oh no i'm so sorry (laughs) I thought about Aria Salvatore the other day and then got a little sad. I'm uh, talking more. I'm saying the Martin Lawrence film from 2001. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's called All Black,
0: the Necrosword. <laughs> There's a lot of articles here called 10 things Marvel fans
2: need to know about All Black, the Necrosword. Oh, God. They, I guess in Acts of Swords, the names are pretty okay. They need to whoever it tells me that hickman has probably played dark souls if you're gonna name swords for marvel characters you should have to play dark souls to see what good sword names are
0: i do think all black the necrosword was invented in like the 70s that explains it hmm yeah it's um basically there's a lot of extremely metal stuff in king in black and in the the venom book and absolute carnage um which is very funny thing is dc did a comic called dc metal which was like the least metal thing that had ever happened um just had like jokerized justice league characters and nobody cared about that
2: uh his name is the batman who laughs thank you very much <laughs> the batman <laughs> who sucks more like
0: <laughs> that sounds like a great place to end the show so a great episode of- <laughs> title, <laughs> the
2: batman who sucks <laughs> I
0: a spell with two c's <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh no i'm not oh. calling the episode that uh, so if you read any of the comics we discussed or you liked or disliked the show and want to let us know about it you can email us at comics at fix space or you can tweet us at, at fix podcasts uh, if you've got any questions for next week's show uh, we're going to be talking about wandavision again um but if you've got any questions for any of the hosts it's going to be Uh, me and Chris next week so uh, please rate and review us on your podcast service of choice as that helps more people find the show thank you again to Jeff Davis for our wonderful intro music for editing the show and thanks for everyone for listening and we'll be back next week